depending on the person, I may put in six to 10 hours on average, but I can do over 20 if it's a, you know, a specific guest because like I'll listen to their whole book. I will listen to them in other interviews. I dig and think about the questions that I can ask that haven't been asked or follow up on things that I don't think were necessarily covered. I will go through a back catalog of podcasts to find interviews from 2011, 2010, because sometimes the really interesting materials way back when and everybody's forgotten. Welcome to Podcasting Smarter, the podcast for and by podcasters. We interview podcasters for the real scoop on podcasting. Whether you're thinking about starting a podcast or have been podcasting for years, you'll find lots of inspiration, valuable lessons, and tips in our interviews. This podcast is brought to you by Podbean. Please visit podbean.com, the home for podcasters. Hello, Pod Pals, and welcome back to Podcasting Smarter. Today, I am being joined by Eric Hunley of the Unstructured Podcast. It's described by him as dynamic, informal conversations. I love this podcast, and I've actually been a guest on his podcast. So I can't wait to return the favor. Welcome to Podcasting Smarter, Eric. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Well, funny enough, the first thing I always like to ask my podcast guest is to confess their podcasting sins. And I might as well start because I <laughs> I just took me about four takes to do your introduction and it still wasn't perfect, but I just had to keep going. So that's my podcast confession. Do you have any podcast confessions you need to get off your chest? Absolutely. And it's funny you ask this because I'm a fan of your show <gasps> already. So I knew this question was coming. And when the incident happened, I was so annoyed, but I was saying, okay, but now I have material if I ever get on there. <laughs> so try to, it. you know, look at the bright side with it. I had a new microphone, um, an MB88 Shure that I was using with my iPhone and I was recording a solo podcast, which I don't really like to do. I'm not super comfortable with that. I like interviews, but I had, um, all of my friends who are in my group, they asked me questions that then I would respond to in the podcast. So I took that, went walking around for 24 minutes, recording everything out. I looked out 24 minutes. Okay. Yeah, we're good. So I went to change it, turn on my headphones and listen back. And, uh, I didn't hit record. Oh my gosh. That's the worst. So I hit record and did the entire thing again. <laughs> I was a little breathless by the end. So when I was editing it, it was like, <sighs> I had a lot of cutting to do. Well, I always say, you know, you're a real podcaster when you have at least one, I forgot to hit the record button moment. Yeah. And I dodged that bullet for so long, but as soon as it happened, I was like, well, now I have material. <laughs> I love it. And I love that you were prepared for, for that question. Uh, because I think that it, I love the podcast confession segment because I don't know, this is sort of a lonely thing that we do sometimes, right? We're doing Very. this on our own and we're doing the best we can, but it's an imperfect art at best. So I'd like to, um, to feel like we all can bond over our shared experience, whether it's good or bad. So there you go. I agree. And we're all human. We're and all human. Helps us relate more with each other. 
Exactly. So Eric, this is just a simple question, but why do you podcast? I've wanted to podcast since not long after I started listening. And I would call myself an expert listener. I've been listening since the iPod. So, wow, um, I'm impressed. <laughs> the, the thing is that it took me 10 years to launch. Well, why did it take so long? Well, to start with, um, I had basic imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. And there was the idea of, what am I going to do a show about? So I thought, well, I'll do maybe another tech podcast on Mac stuff because I'm a big Apple nerd. But never really got the nerve up to do it. Then I started running, and I was going to maybe do a running podcast. This is about 2012, 13 time frame. So in effort to start the podcast, I just started buying equipment. Forgot the part you have to actually record into the equipment. <laughs> but I decided that maybe I held back. I did um, get interviewed a few times because of my marathoning and things like that. But I was never completely motivated or had the right direction to start out. Hmm. So finally, what pushed me over the edge was I'm um, part of another group called Mixed Mental Arts. It's a play on mixed martial arts, but you know, for the mind. And they are some of the smartest people on the planet in the group. I mean, just the, their brain firepower is astounding. And the show speaks to a lot of really amazing people, all these authors that I actually had read. So I was very attracted to the show. But I'm just not as bright as everybody in there. And I would like to have a show that's a little bit more accessible to everyone. So I kind of think of my show as a bit of an idea pub. It's people that I, you know, would love to sit down with and have a beer. Yeah, I have to say you have the most diverse list of guests that I've seen. I mean, everyone from all walks of life, but they are they are super smart and knowledgeable on these very interesting topics. So how do you how do you find these people? Because they really are great guests. I mean, they are fascinating people with a capital F and fascinating. <laughs> um, really, many different ways. Some of them are referrals from previous guests, like um, the show that just came out today is uh, another referral from a previous guest, Otakara Klecki. And she recommended I am getting pitches now from different um, podcast booking agencies. So some are there. There's guest groups that are on the internet or, you know, Facebook especially. So I'll reach out there. And then I'm impulsive. I'll see somebody like uh, Professor James Fallon and I'll say, he's got a cool story and I just reach out. So it's a, it's a very random thing. But you're doing this all yourself. I am, yes. It's that's time consuming, isn't it? It is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I have to book podcasters and I find that uh time consuming, but I I'm just pulling from one sort of population of people where you're, you know, interviewing authors and scientists and people from all, you know, walks of life. So I I would think that that is a little challenging. Has has anybody ever told you no? Um, they usually just ignore me. 
<laughs> That's a no, right? If they ignore you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I guess they don't really say no. They just don't answer, which is fr sort of frustrating. Okay, so uh, how often, do you, how often no. do you produce an okay. episode? Right now, I've been going three days a week. So how do you keep that up? How do you keep that guest booking going? And Or do you ever get desperate or behind in that? Or how, it seems like... I don't, I'm just imagining myself doing it and it seems impossible. So I don't know. It, it's a momentum is carrying itself. I, I guess what actually happened was right around the time I met you at podcast movement or whatever, I actually had a glut. I mean, I had a bunch of interviews in the can and I'm a little weird. I don't like leaving interviews sitting around too long. Yeah. For some reason, I feel like they go stale. Also, I fear that what if I really am screwing something up here? I'd rather get the show out quicker and then hear back that I'm messing up so I can then pivot or, or do better than, oh, I've got 20 in the can and the um, track I've taken, people really hate. That would bum me out. Oh, very smart. That's very interesting to think of it that way. So, okay. So when I was on your podcast, you interviewed myself and Shannon from the Podbean team. And that mm -hmm. was a lot of fun, but we were sort of on site with you at Podcast Movement, right? Yes. It was, it was a I'm getting all my podcasting conferences. They start running together after a while. Oh, sure. Uh, but how do you typically record your interviews? Um, they're not all in person on site, are they? Rarely. Yeah. Okay. Rarely. Um, I did three. As a matter of fact, I think I've done four total. Oh, and okay. I'm hitting uh, episode 100 on Sunday. So I usually use um, Squadcast. Okay. So yeah, so Squadcast I've been hearing a lot about, and I actually met the guys from Squadcast a few times. Um, mm -hmm. I've heard good things about it. So what's your experience with it as, as far as a recording, a remote recording tool? I like it a lot. It double ends kind of like Ringer. Mm -hmm. And the difference though is it double ends with a wave file. So it's a higher quality wave to begin with. Oh. It also does video, but it's not recording the video. I personally like recording a video though, because I can get more intimate. It, it does help, you know, I'm looking eye to eye or I can tell it's a bad time. I might interrupt them or step on them. So the video I think just helps a lot with the flow if I can't be in person. Oh, I like that. I didn't realize that they had video. It is so much, it's so much nicer to be able to see somebody's face when you're having a conversation with sure. them, I think. Because those, you know, you're missing the facial and, you know, expressions when you're just doing uh, the interview like we're doing, which is, you know, just audio only. I can't see your face. I'd love to see your right. face right now. That would be great. Um, stop that eye rolling, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay. Well, you, it's like she can see me. Yeah. Wait, wait, yeah. Wait, 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 where, uh, let me take the camera. <laughs> so with the, with the, um, with the video being there, are there any additional like technical headaches because of that? Like, does your guest, if your guest doesn't have video capability or does it slow anything down? Because I know video is just its own beast, you know, technically. Yeah, sometimes it, it okay. can get a little, but it, I'll just say, okay, uh, bandwidth doesn't seem good. Let's just turn off the cameras and I'll turn it off. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes I use Skype because it's what they want or I'm just not going to argue with them. I, I have an FBI profiler coming out Sunday. He wanted a phone call. I didn't even negotiate. I'm just like, okay, I'll call him out on Skype. 
Oh, okay. So there are some guests, and Squadcast will be adding that later. But, you know, sometimes with the guests, it's like, you know, if, if Oprah said that she wanted to be interviewed, I would say, how would you like it done, ma'am? Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Oprah gets her way. Yeah, I agree. I'm not going to argue with Oprah. All right. So, so you just mentioned the FBI profiler. Um, do your guests have anything in common? Um, I do like interviewing people who are communicators and work in influence, persuasion. I consider criminal profiling actually to be part of that as well, mm -hmm. uh, because there's light and there's dark. Yeah. So there, there is, I have a very deep interest in that, not only um, studying, but also how to protect yourself from it. So there's, um, I've noticed sort of a psychological component in a lot of your, your guests in their expertise. So I was mm -hmm. listening to the gentleman who was an expert. Um, he'd written a book on binge eating and, yes. but he, he sort of had a, a theory that was um, different than his colleagues. Maybe it was a little controversial. <laughs> so, yes. but there was a lot of psychology behind his theory in terms of how we, how we, how and why we eat and overeat. So I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. And what's interesting about him too, is he's actually on the, I didn't know it, but he's a little bit deeper into um, Cialdini and influence and things like that himself. But that is all psychology. However, it's never taught in psychology schools. Interesting. Go figure, huh? Yeah, go figure. Well, since we're talking about influence, you know, podcasters are often considered audio influencers. Now that you're coming upon your 100th episode, do you feel that you're an influencer? Not yet. I mean, maybe a little amongst peers. I think that I'm starting to get noticed. Okay. And it, what it's does It's a long game. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Well, absolutely. It's a long game. Everything is. Um, what does influence mean to you then? Um, influence is just basically a persuasion or an example. See, I, I try to think of as influence as being a, a leader or acting with leadership and the best kind of influence is essentially live your life well and people will gravitate towards you and and do as well i agree with that but i would like to add a little bit more to the influence definition because i've been thinking about this a, a lot lately and i think a big component of influence is being able to give people opportunities and by being a, a podcaster, you're able to give the gift of opportunity by having these guests on to talk about their books or their business or their theories, um, their backgrounds, their stories. So in that way, I think podcasters, even podcasters with modest audiences and who are just starting out, um, I think that's a big strength in the influence uh, department is that we we have this ability to give people an opportunity i agree and i agree with the uh, audience audience size as well because especially coming out the gate i work really hard on interviews very hard 
And while some may have fewer people listening, it's a good interview. Right. And it still represents the guest very well. So it doesn't have to be a giant audience to be a good podcast. And I, in turn, will agree with you. But I'm wondering, when you say that you work really hard on the interview, what, is, what does that mean? Um, I research. And depending on the person, I may put in six to 10 hours on average, but I can do over 20 if it's a, you know, a specific guest, because like I'll listen to their whole book. I will listen to them in other interviews. I dig and think about the questions that I can ask that haven't been asked or follow up on things that I don't think were necessarily covered. I will go through a back catalog of podcasts to find interviews from 2011, 2010, because sometimes the really interesting materials way back when and everybody's forgotten. That is a lot of work. I am, I am again, impressed, Eric. That's awesome. So this is all very time consuming. So I have to ask, what is, what is your life like outside of podcasting and when do you sleep? <laughs> well, I do have a day job. No way. And yes. <laughs> I saw that on your um, Facebook profile. So I did a little bit of research as well. So I knew that. Oh, good. I knew you had, and, and you have a, um, the Hampton Runs group as well. Yeah, Hampton Runner. I, honestly, that I haven't done anything with for years now. Okay. And my running has gone awry because I, I can't run and do the podcasting. Well, I'm glad to I'm glad to hear you can't do it all, Eric, because I was beginning <laughs> to think you could. <laughs> no, no. And it's it, it's more and more apparent every day that I can't, but I do try. And I try to have systems in place to save me time. Like um I do the po you know, like a Facebook post, Instagram, Twitter, blah blah blah, but I kind of have a system I do it this time, right before I go to lunch, I fire those all off, things like that. Oh, I like this system approach. Uh, can you give us any more detail about that? Yeah. Um, I had a, a, a gentleman, Matt Madonna, who's kind enough to um, create my uh, logo. And for simplicity, I will get images from the guests and then I just imprint the um, image on the logo. So I you know, pop it open, make sure it's square, copy the image over, paste it right on there. So it's kind of like a... Uh, a watermark or you know brand stamp yeah they look really good i've seen them they look very professional well thank you and he was kind enough to also give it to me in different colors so sometimes like if they have a blue shirt on i can slap in a blue logo and i'll, mm -hmm. I'll try to tie it together i'm partially colorblind so mm, i'm not great on all this and then i just put it out there as the episode in the different different locations so i'm, I'm poor about doing a lot, but I think it, at, at least it's consistent and it has a look and they do all tie together. I think that's, those are the two most important things, really the consistency. And then your, your brand has, is communicating consistently. So I think you're, you're spot on there. So I have to ask you a, I don't know, I want to say this is a personal question, but I don't know if it is. Um, it has to do with your Facebook page for unstructured. Mm-hmm. How did you get over 10,000 Facebook page fans? <laughs> I bought an ad. You bought an ad? Okay. You have to tell us everything. 
Don't leave anything out, Eric. I'm serious. Do not leave anything out. I, I will look it up and send it to you. I will tell you this. There's over 10,000 likes on my Facebook page. They are not super productive. They're not great interacting, and most of them aren't even American. Uh, There's a methodology you can use to buy an ad that is actionable. So they're legitimate people, but it is to get a number to hit a threshold. And what you do is you buy an ad, um, and I'll have to show you. There's a video on it. I'll, I'll send it to you later, okay, but okay. it's it's essentially yellow. You put a quote on it, and you pick every country in the world, or you, you pick the whole world minus England, U.S., Australia, et cetera, because the clicks, click rate is super expensive there. Oh, my gosh. And then the, you can get the likes in, and it comes out to about a penny a like. Okay. First of all, I want to thank you for being honest about that. Um, I had a feeling that you did something like that only because I saw the shockingly high number of Facebook page fans. And then I right. saw that you got engagement on your post, but you weren't getting, you know, thousands of, you know, no, engagements no. on your post that you might expect from an audience size that big. So since you did that, do you regret it? Because now it's more that it's definitely a vanity metric, right? When it's not you know, yeah, true, yeah. a true fan, but it is on first glance, very impressive. So do you wish you could go back in time and not do that? Not really. Okay. And the reason is that I'm trying to attract guests and I'm trying to get more engagement. So a little touch of social proof isn't necessarily a bad thing. So you think that if they go to your Facebook page and they see the 10,500 Facebook fans, then that, that tells them a little something about the um, relevance of your show. Essentially, yeah. Okay. All right. You're putting it all out there, Eric. Well, I don't see why anybody should hide what they do. Well, well That's sure. deceitful. That is deceitful. You know. I'm glad you I'm glad you're... You're an honest person. Well, I think a lot of people will be interested in that because it happens all the time. I'll see people that are in my industry, um, my professional industry, and they and I know them personally. Yet they have like, you know, a hundred thousand Instagram followers. I'm like, how in the world did they get a hundred thousand? And and you know, obviously you you know suspect that they purchased them or something, but you can't really prove it. And so then you you get a little seed of self doubt. Like, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> Why right. am I not so popular? <laughs> I do want to point out, though, that it's an ad and it's not a purchase of of likes or followers. Yes. Because that, to me, is going a little the other way. That is true. That That is a good distinction. An ad is different than going and purchasing your followers. I don't recommend that in the social media space, by the way, purchasing followers. Um, so, okay. Well, that's, that's good to know. And you also, you complement your Facebook page with a Facebook group. And how has that mm -hmm. brought value to your podcast? Well, I consider them really my friends. I mean, the Facebook group, a lot of these people I kind of knew beforehand, mm -hmm. but sometimes I'll, I'll put it out to them and say, hey, I have such and such coming on. Do you have any questions? And boy, they can come up with some good ones. And if, I, if it's a subject and I'm just not super comfortable or I feel like they can ask much smarter questions, then I'll put it out there. And that can help a lot. Interesting. It's a great way to engage your audience. So I'm assuming that the people in your group are 
listeners, but are they also guests? Um, I've had some guests in there and most, some, most are listeners, but some aren't even listeners. They just like the community. Um, I, my group's a little different in that regard because I, I sort of tried to set the group up to where it's fairly democratic and I'm more of a member of the community versus mm -hmm. an overlord. Mm -hmm. I like that. I like that. Just, just one of the gang. Right. I don't even post all my episodes on there. Ah, so what do you think the goal of the community is then? Just that. It literally is a community and a, a tribe that, you know, I, I belong to and hopefully they enjoy being with me and, and talking and talking with each other. And I, I learn from them. Oh, that's great. So you're approaching your 100th episode. That's a major milestone for any podcaster. I mean, it's you have a great catalog of work at this point. Where do you see your podcast heading in the next 100 episodes? I'm starting to tighten down, I think, into um, a bit more of the persuasion, influence, things like that, and psychology and crime. Um, so I'll be doing that. I may actually slow down a little and depending on, you know, when I have major guests like, uh, Jim Fitzgerald, who's coming out on Sunday, I spent a lot of time, um, researching him. So he was one of the ones that was, you know, well over the 10 hours. Wow. So my thought is that I may, depending, you know, if I, I've got some really cool people coming up and I'll probably have to spend a little bit more time on them. And if that's the case, I think it'd be better for the show and the audience if I say, well, you know what, maybe I'm going to do two a week and have a, a more impactful show. Oh, I like I'm that. I'm still learning. I like that quality over quantity all the time. So I know how, you know, obviously you spend hours prepping for your guests. How do you prepare your guests for their interview? Poorly. No, <laughs> it's literally a date and a time. And, um, they get sent the, uh, request from squad squad cast. That's and it. And I, I'm not, yeah, I'm not super, um, I don't go into a lot of detail. I will talk, you know, I'll chat for a minute beforehand. Sure. Hey, how you doing today? You know, what's going on? And I'll say, no, I kind of want to talk about this maybe, or that, or, you know, whatever, and just get a general flow. But I don't, I don't send a list of questions. I don't even, well, you've listened to my show. How long are my intros? Oh, they're, you know, they're very clean and quick. I love it. You get right <laughs> into it. No, I appreciate that. I mean, after I, you know, really flubbed up the, my intro oh, to relax. you, I just feel so <laughs> self-conscious about it. No, I really like that about, and I love your interviews. I think they're great. Um, I really, really enjoy them. And, and I really believe they... I know they have depth because I've listened. They have this depth to them that I really, really appreciate. Um, but what I, well, the reason I'm so flabbergasted is because it's been my experience that guests are, can be a little nervous about coming on. And so one of the ways that they can lower that anxiety is they want you to sort of prep them a little bit. They would, you know, they, sometimes they ask for questions in advance or, or they want to know exactly what they're going to be talking about. And so I'm just surprised that you haven't come across that, or maybe you have, and you just calm them down in your own way. 
I've only had one guest um, that I sent questions to, and that was Austin Peterson, who was running for Senate. Oh, I've had him on Podcasting Smarter. I think he may have been my first interview. He's an interesting guy. Yeah, super interesting. He is. And honestly, I didn't have to give him the questions, but he was doing the junket type thing. And with the limited time, I think we had like 45 minutes or whatever it was. I thought it would be easier if he knew what was coming. Yeah. These political guys, you know, they they, <laughs> they have to be prepared for anything. Well, he, he pretty much is. I mean, he doesn't waver off message at all. Yeah, yeah. Hardly. I mean, it, it, the guy has his talking points. He doesn't waver in any way. I, in general, don't like to get super political. I don't know if you picked up on that, but I do avoid it in general. With him, it's just a straight out, hey, what are you about? What's up? Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, you know, you know this because we chatted a bit before I hit record that you're my first guest that I actually didn't send any um, questions or potential topics to. I typically will send in advance of an interview a list of potential questions and topics to the podcaster. And some of them um, come up a lot. They're pretty common because we're talking about podcasting and our audiences, podcasters who want to be better at what they're doing. But I also have some custom questions that are catered to the specific guest. And I was telling you that I I don't know why, but I just, I didn't feel compelled to send you the questions because I felt, I don't know, maybe I felt more comfortable because I'd been on your podcast and I knew I've met you in person and I didn't feel like you would have that anxiety coming on. And I also knew that you'd listen to this podcast. So I didn't think I was going to throw you a curveball in any way, shape or form. Um, but I do, I kind of, I kind of prefer just going into the conversation um, and letting it take a natural path, but there are some things I need to cover. So I have to try to find sort of a hybrid. <laughs> so I'll send out a list, but I don't necessarily, I don't guarantee that they're all going to be asked or that the topics are going to be um, touched upon. And if we, we get off on a tangent that is interesting, I'm, I'm happy to follow it. So yeah, I guess we all have our own way of doing things, which I, I, I th- think that's sure. always like part of the creative process and pretty fascinating. We can all learn from each other. When it evolves, too. It evolves. It definitely evolves. All right. So I, we talked a little bit about this, but I don't think we talked about it enough. How do you market your show? Um, really, I do social media. Mm-hmm. Um, the Was it the big four? Um, LinkedIn is up and coming. I, I swear, I think I get a little bit more traffic from there than I ever expected. I'm starting to have a bit of a love affair with LinkedIn myself. Yeah, it's um, kind of... I don't know. I, I feel like it's a stepchild. I, I used to be like, oh, God, it's just more uh, people harassing me trying to sell things at Christmas or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's really taken a turn. So I, I will post there. But my basic methodology is I release the show the evening before. So I consider that my Monday show, I'll release it Sunday night. And I do it on Podbean because you guys use UTC. Mm-hmm. So it'll be 7 p.m which means that that'll track for that day. Right. Because yes, I look at my stats. I'm sorry. Every podcaster I think really does. And they all play the game saying, oh, well, we don't pay that much attention to our stats. Okay. (laughs) We don't believe you. (laughs) 
I don't believe them personally, but anyway, <laughs> I do look at that. So I, I want the numbers to be there in the first day. So I can kind of see, oh, okay, it's doing all right today or, or whatever. And then I will tweet usually first thing in the morning. If I can, I'll do three tweets a day. I don't always get pictures from guests or a thousand times I will say, can I have a picture about a thousand pixels or better? Yeah. So I can have a good looking shot. And they send me, of course, a, a little thumbnail that's a hundred <laughs> or two hundred. Uh, and, yeah. And I'm like, okay, so I'm off to Facebook and I'm going to be digging through Google images again. Where <laughs> I seem to do it or they'll send me pictures that are just like, why do you want that picture? Yeah. Yeah, I know what it's you're not about. the best picture mm -hmm. of you. Um, so yeah, I, I'll do that as a tweet, and then around lunchtime is when I do uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. With my thought being that noon Eastern time, or around that point, is nine in the Pacific, but it's still you know five o'clock in England. I love that you've put so much thought into this. I try. I mean, I'm I'm just trying to hit the widest thing I can with the least amount of effort. No, it's yeah, it's very strategic. I love it. I think I think we all can learn from this, definitely. Um, okay, so you did the big four. I love that you have like this methodical way of doing it. So which has been the most effective so far, do you think? Um at first it was Facebook, but Twitter is um up and coming. I okay. have a gentleman from South Africa who has been wonderfully uh, wonderful in helping me because I never understood Twitter. And he kind of helped organize my thoughts and how to do it and the timing and things like that. And I subscribe to a, a service called Deliberate and I have different feeds on there. So I'm dynamically pulling things from the feed to kind of have other content mixed in. So what did the South African gentleman tell you that you didn't know about Twitter? Uh, taught me about deliberate. Um, that would be the biggest one. Oh, okay. The idea of, of having that, because what it does is it frees me up to interact. Like if I see um, podcasting smarter that you've released something, I don't know if you notice that I generally will like or often retreat what retweet what you're saying. Of course I notice Eric. It's like, you know, it's like a hug from um across the state. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. And and that's an example. So it it frees me up because there's content that's regularly being put out and I do really believe in the ratio if I can of like 10 or 15 to 1 mm -hmm. of um other people's stuff before I worry about mine. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that too. You you have to give give give. And then ask occasionally, but give mostly. I think that's that's a good practice. Yeah, and that that was kind of his guidance was, you know, you get got to get your feeds straight. He calls it your feeds, got to get your feeds. And then um you spend that other time actually engaging and looking for people like I will probably be um automating a little bit more podcasting smarter and some other stuff to when your episode drops boom it's retweeted and i know i'm helping my friends i've built up kind of a i don't know i, I like jokingly like to call it a podcasting cabal <laughs> but really it's just a you know some friends that i talk to and i mean i really talk to their friends yeah yeah i think that that's really special it's something really special about that 
there's something um, about bonding with people online and and then following that up with meeting them in person in some way that I think makes for a, a very strong relationship. Absolutely. Like uh, one of my, probably one of my best podcasting friends is um, Tyson Franklin. And he's out of Cairns, Australia. And I met him at Podcast to Movement. Oh, cool. So I met him in person and we got on and hit it off really well. And we talk all the time. Nice. Okay. Oh. Yeah. So we've talked about, or we've mentioned Podcast Movement a couple of times. And I always like to um, talk to podcasters about the conferences they've been to, whether or not they go, why, why or why not. So obviously, I know you've been to Podcast Movement. Do you do you go to any others? And what what is it that you get out of them that's valuable? Uh, that was the only one I've ever been to. Oh, okay, all right, that's a good I one. I would have loved to. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, yeah. They um, well, they asked me to go, and they they worked with me. Oh, really? Um, but um. I, I would love to go to yours. It's just hard to figure out the timing of work and things like that. Yeah, I, I know. Well, uh, next year we're going to, it's probably going to be on the weekend, completely on the weekend, um, I believe. So maybe that'll up the chances because we're in the same state. So it seems like you should be able to come to DC PodFest. For those of you that don't know, I produce DC PodFest, which is a a more intimate podcasting conference in the area in which I live. And next year, we just finished our fourth year. So next year will be year five and we are upping our game. It's going to be a really, really great event. We're already planning it and it's not even, you know, we're still in 2018. So we're, we're really, nice. we're really excited <laughs> already. That's I never, awesome. I never do this, this far in advance so far. I had never started planning this early before. So uh, we really want to put together something extra special. So hopefully you'll be able to come. Yeah. These, these podcasting conferences, they're, they're quite an investment. You know, that's, it's not a cheap thing to go to a conference because not only is there the ticket, which even if it's reasonable there, there's travel costs. So I understand why not everybody can go because um, they can be cost prohibitive, but, but wow. I mean, what a way to really feel some validation for what you're doing to feel like you're part of something bigger than yourself, meet people and learn from people doing what you're doing. If you can swing it, I just highly recommend going to, and I, I haven't been to a bad podcasting conference yet. They all have their, their different flavors and personalities, but um I can't say a bad thing about any of them. They're all great as far as I'm concerned. I agree. And there's one thing that I definitely recommend to anyone who is going. When you go, don't look to get anything out of it. Ooh. And now that means sound weird. That does sound weird. What do you mean, Eric? Don't, don't go in there with the attitude of what can you do for me? Go in there with the attitude yeah. of what can you do for them? And, and it sounds weird because you're like, wait, I paid the money and I'm paying the travel. And right. No, you will get everything out of it. If you are giving of yourself and you may not see a dime. It may be a money pit for a bit, but this is about relationships. Like I met you at podcast movement in person. Yeah. I strengthened that relationship that we had. I got to do a live episode. Um, we're still talking now. We get, we go back and forth over time. I met Tyson. He's been a fantastic friend and we've gotten nothing but more and more solid. Um, Andy Wang, I've had him on my show, inspired money, great guy. And these things over time strengthen. But if you go with the attitude of like, okay, well, what am I going to get? What am I getting? No, don't do that. 
just go there, live in the experience, and you will pull so much out of it. It's so true. And it should be actually pretty natural because I think podcasters in general are very giving people and then they're giving of them themselves. Um, and, and that can be a very vulnerable thing uh, to give your expertise, your time, your creative energy, because what, 99.9% of podcasters are not getting any financial compensation for this thing that we're doing. Um so you're already giving. So um, it should feel natural for you to walk into that an environment such as a conference and and just do it in a different way. Uh, I think also most podcasters are introverts. Yeah, me so included. So you'll be comfortable. Yes, and there's a lot of usually there's a lot of discussion pre-conference about you know the introverts uh, in the room and yeah you won't be the only introvert speaking. As a card-carrying introvert, this is a true thing. So we talked a little bit about. Before we wrap up, I just am curious. We talked a little bit about your next 100 episodes and how you want to tighten things up, spend more quality time with your your guests, but maybe that means fewer overall episodes. But what right. I, what I wanted to know is what is I don't want to say game plan, but is there um, is there a monetization goal for you? Is there, hey, I want to do this full time someday? Is that on the table? Or are you just happy doing what you're doing because you're getting enough out of it as is? Two answers. Yes, yes to both. Um, I'm deliberately doing the show the way I am because I enjoy doing it so much I would do it for free. Mm -hmm. And I am. Yeah. I would like to earn money from it later, but I have to be, I have to believe in it. I have to be passionate about it as it stands. Then the other stuff will follow. I'm working on a book right now. What? So that, that'll probably cut into the other time as well. Um, What's the book about? Interview podcasting. Imagine that. Oh, okay. <laughs> So is it, is it a nonfiction, to, like a, how to be a good interviewer? Yes. Oh, that's a great idea for a book. Yes. I, uh, ironically, I haven't seen anything out there. So I think that it's a good uh, untapped market. I feel that interview podcasting, that's what I like. That's what I do is something that businesses can leverage mm -hmm. to help increase their authority and their brand. Sure. And that's kind of where I'm going. And of course, ultimately, I would sell coaching um, and do presentations. But I've given it a lot of thought. And like, I would love to talk at the podcast stuff, you know, um, conventions. Uh huh. Be, go on the speaker circuit. Yep. Okay. But realistically, that's pretty full, um, full card. And I have to kind of shove my way in there to get in there. But I could probably t speak at a dentist conference. Then I'd be the only guy there. Yeah, that's a really good move. It really is a good move. Um, yeah, I think that's great advice to think outside the obvious in terms of where you can find your opportunities as a podcaster, because podcasters have a lot of opportunities that some of them will will come to you. But if you're just a little proactive, like you just mentioned, like speaking at a dentist conference, um, you can find so many more opportunities just through being a podcaster that, which I think is really exciting. Well, that's, that's a, that's great, Eric. That sounds like a great plan. 
and I, we talked a little bit about your your life outside of podcasting and you mentioned you know that you have a full-time job do those mm -hmm. worlds ever collide like do your coworkers know that you're a podcaster or do you keep those things because i see this a lot do you keep those those worlds completely separate um people know what i do and i talk about it you know with my boss and coworkers some um i don't dwell on it my day job is completely different it's just tech yeah and I don't hide it. Yeah, you know, I know there's some people who have a separate LinkedIn profile, for example. Yeah, right. Exactly. I have one LinkedIn profile. I I am who I am. And and I think that's important too. I, I do a show that I'm proud of. I don't feel like I'm not doing a racy comedy show that I'm embarrassed by. Yeah. I think that anyone can get benefit out of at least some of my episodes. Yeah, they're very there's respectful. A variety. Very respect very respectful show for sure. Nothing, nothing to be ashamed of there. I, I wouldn't think it would get you in any kind of trouble. Right. And that's, so that's kind of it. I, I, I have a weird thought about that. Sort of like, I'm, you know, being honest, I bought an ad on Facebook. It got me more like, you know, I don't think that we should hide what we do. I, I agree with you. And if, if you don't agree with us, well, I don't think you have much of a choice these days. You sort of are, we're sort of being forced into transparency. I mean, everybody's watching everything, you know, devices are listening. Um, if you're not transparent now, you're, you, you might as well just, you know, join the, the transparency club. <laughs> I, and it's a whole lot easier. It is. It is a whole <laughs> lot easier, isn't it? I mean, just be honest. It's the easiest way. Um, okay. It's like Seth Godin says, um, you can't please everyone and some things it's just not for you. Yeah. That's good. That's good advice. All right. I have two fun questions. You probably know what they are. And you're probably, unlike most of my guests, pre-prepared for them, but that's okay. Eric Hunley, if there was a podcast about your life, what would it be called? Unstructured. No. <laughs> oh my gosh. I cannot believe you said that. <laughs> unstructured, unstructured. <laughs> How redundant. No. Um, I don't know. Pattern recognition. Pattern recognition. Okay, yeah. I'll go with that. I don't see why not. And that's because I I am a, a, a I do the same thing over and over and over and over and over. If it works, keep going. Right, just repeat, re repeat, repeat. Um, okay. Well, if uh, this is your fantasy podcaster question, if you could pick anyone, living or dead, to have a podcast, who would it be? Probably Mark Twain. That's a good one. I would the original comic. I would listen to that one for sure. Well, Eric, this conversation has been so much fun. I will definitely read your book when it comes out because we can all be better interviewers, just like we can all be better and smarter podcasters. And I hope that someday you'll come on the podcast again. It doesn't have to be on your 200th episode, but at any, <laughs> any point that's a, a benchmark moment in your podcasting career, I'd love to have another conversation with you someday. Absolutely. Love to talk to you again. Awesome. Thanks again, Eric. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for Podcasting Smarter. You can check our show notes at podcast.podbean.com for links and details. Please like our podcast, leave your comments, and help us spread the word to other podcasters so we can bring you more great episodes with podcasting tips and inspiration from fellow podcasters. If you want to connect with other podcasters or get interviewed on this podcast, 
please join our Podcasting Smarter Facebook group. We look forward to welcoming you to the community. Happy podcasting!